0: Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, and welcome back to the Marriage by the Book podcast. I'm Rick Porterfield, and uh, we've been talking about the problem in relationships. And what we're doing here is working our way through. Uh, the actual classes, the the sessions that Rebecca and I would take a couple through if we were working with them one-on-one. And I think this will really be a help to you, whether your marriage is great, or whether your marriage might need help. This will be a real help to you. I mentioned this before, but we've actually seen when, when both people in a couple will do what we're telling them to do you know, from the Word, not because it's Rebecca and me, it's because we're showing them what the Bible says about relationships. And it's, as James chapter 1 says, if we'll do the Word, We're going to succeed, okay? It's the doers of the work that are blessed in what they do is what it says in James chapter 1. So this is what's going to work for you. So anyhow, um, we've been talking about the problem in relationships, which is self-centeredness. And uh, today I want to talk about some of the characteristics of self-centeredness. I'm going to try to be really brief with this because I want to get to some other things. I could talk about this for uh, an hour but i don't want to do that so anyway some characteristics of self-centered so how important an issue is this really and, you know we've had people tell us well i'm not self-centered and they're wrong <laughs> usually that's a red flag right there man you're self-centered or some people telling us well so what this isn't a big deal it's like they don't get it but self-centeredness is a big deal so it's important for us to see how important this issue is and in matthew 22 36 through 40 somebody asked jesus a question they said teacher which is the great commandment in the law, okay? You know, Jesus didn't even go to the Ten Commandments. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this amazing thing. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's verse 40. So, okay. Okay. Allow me. Let's reason together, right? So, you know, the greatest commandments are basically commands to to not be self-centered, but to be other-centered. He said, you know, to love God first, to love others second. To put God first, put others second. That's the importance of of this thing okay i'm talking about how important an issue is this really well the importance of it is that this is the greatest commandments and jesus said there on those two commands hang all the law and the prophets basically the greatest commandments are commands not to be self-centered but to be other-centered to love god and other people okay and on that Hang all the law and the prophets, he said. Now, that's amazing to me because that's the entire Old Testament was written to try to get people to do things God's way and not their own way, to not try to be lovers of self, self self-centered, but to be other-centered, okay? So, we really have one law in the New Covenant, and Romans... Thirteen, eight through 10 shows us this. It says, I'm going to read this to you. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, the word neighbor there means someone who's near you. So that would be your spouse, certainly. So you work no harm to those near you, okay? Love isn't selfish. Love gives. And then after love is given, what does love do then? It gives. And after it's done that, after it's given and given, then what does love do? It gives, okay? That's what love does. It just gives. For for you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, you know? And here's the thing. We all deal with self-centeredness. Uh, I referred to this scripture in the first session on self-centeredness, and, but I'm going to read it to you now. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, we each like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. Okay, we each like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. Everybody's done this. We've all gone to our own way. That's talking about self-centeredness. And really the day that we think we've beaten self-centeredness is the day it's whipped us. So this is how big a deal self-centeredness is. We all deal with it. We've all gone astray. But if we can, again, turn off this spigot, okay, that's causing arguments and quarrels in our relationship, that's causing the problems. If we can turn this thing off, we can greatly enhance our relationship. So that's the importance. That's how big a deal this is. So, Another characteristic of self-centeredness is how serious it is, the seriousness of it. You know, we just saw where the greatest commandments instruct us to be other-centered. So we're not supposed to be self-centered. We're supposed to be other-centered. And James 4.17, this is tough, but it says, It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Okay? (laughs) So if we know we shouldn't be self-centered, but we're doing it, it's a sin. Okay. It's, this is, that's how serious it is. You know, I don't want to talk anymore about that. So let's move on. I mean, all you got to do is repent and ask for forgiveness and you're forgiven. But anyhow, it's just not a good thing. The danger of self-centeredness. Proverbs 21 2 says every way of a man, my, my way, the way I want to do things. It says every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. So I can justify what I want to do. This is the danger of self-centeredness. Our, our, our actions seem justified. Okay. We don't see our problem, our, we don't see our own self-centeredness as a problem. We might not even know we're self-centered because all of our actions seem justified. You know, to Eve, when we read the scripture a couple of weeks ago about when the serpent came to Eve, if you look back at that, she, she, the, the fruit was desirable to make one wise. It looked good. It seemed justified to eat it, right? It was going to make her like God. Just We can always justify our actions, but God weighs the hearts. What what's our real reason? Is our reason for doing what we're doing to serve others, or is it to really serve ourselves? And we want to make sure we want to check ourselves and make sure we're not serving ourselves that we're serving others. Okay. Um, anyway, so another uh, characteristic of self-centeredness is it is deceptive. Okay. Proverb sixteen twenty five says, "There's a way that seems right to a man, a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man." But its end is the way of death. You know, our self-centered actions seem like the right thing to do because they can give you a, a, like this false short-term pleasure, okay? But the end is death. It could be the death of a relationship, hopefully not physical, natural death, but something is going to die as a result of a relationship. Again, I mentioned the last time that self-centeredness destroys relationships, okay? Um Hebrews eleven twenty-five. Actually, 24 and 25 gives an interesting insight into this, using Moses as an example. It says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So there's something better than that passing pleasure. That's a false short-term pleasure. And we need to choose to, to minister, to fulfill God's purpose for our life, to serve, to love other people. Choose that above this short-term false pleasure. And you're going to be fulfilled. You're going to have peace and joy and happiness in your life as a result. So, you know, um, That one is basically that self-centeredness is deceptive because it can give you this this short-term, short-lived joy, okay? And it's just really not worth it. You know, the world's attitude tends to be that whatever feels good is okay. And that's not necessarily true. (laughs) You know, I know there are a lot of illegal drugs and things out there that feel good, but they can really wreak havoc in your life if you give yourself to those things. So, anyway... First Timothy five six from the Amplified Classic Version says this, Whereas she who lives in pleasure and self-gratification, giving herself up to luxury and self-indulgence, is dead even while she still lives. Okay, she's the example of a woman, but this would apply to a man as well. And it's talking about a, a person who's just giving himself over to self-centered desires. Let me read it again. Whereas she who lives in pleasure and self-gratification, Giving herself up to luxury and self-indulgence is dead even while she still lives, okay? So that's not much for life. You know, again, self-centeredness can kind of meet your needs for the short term or whatever, but in, in the long run, it's not going to be good for you. And it says that you're dead even while you still live, okay? Self-centeredness just isn't going to lead to true joy and happiness, it's a pla- passing pleasure at best and again we were we were created to be about other people okay all right i want to talk real briefly here about the burden okay and i, I get that word that phrase the burden from first john 5 verse 3 it says this for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commands are not burdensome okay now we said, said earlier That the New Testament command is to love other people. And it says here that his commands aren't burdensome. Now, when I think about loving other people, let's talk about our spouse, for example. Okay? When I think about my marriage, I think about maintaining my marriage. I think about working on my marriage. I need to maintain it. I need to work on it. Okay? It requires effort. That implies a burden. All right? It says here that his command, so this command to love others, it's not a burden. So where's the, there's a disconnect here. Are you seeing it? There's a disconnect here. Um, what is it that makes relationships seem like such hard work? Well, the Bible gives an interesting answer, and I'm going to cover this really quickly. I'm going to read you a scripture from Joshua. And when I read this, you're going to say that has got nothing to do with relationships, but it really does. So give me a minute and I'll explain this after I read it. But this when I saw this in the Bible, when I found this, it just amazed me. It really did. And I think it'll it'll really impact you as well. Okay, so listen to this again, Joshua 15, 13, and 14. Now he Joshua gave to Caleb the son of Jephuna a portion among the sons of Judah, according to, to the command of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is Hebron. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshii and Ahimon and Talmai, the children of Anak. Now you're probably thinking, what's that got to do with the relationships? Hang on. Okay, let me explain just a little bit. Caleb was one of the original 12 scouts that Moses sent to spy out the promised land When the children of Israel first arrived at the Jordan River, they left Egypt, went to the Jordan River, sent the spies in. Okay, of the 12 spies, only two, Caleb and Joshua, came back and reported that they would be able to conquer the land, as God had said, the remaining 10. They didn't believe God. They said, man, there are giants in the land. There are fortified cities. And that's these children of Anak are giants that we just mentioned. Anak, Sheshia, Ahimon, Taumiah. Those are giants, the Bible tells us. They were living in the land. And because they didn't believe God's promise, the Israelites wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You know the story. But because he believed God, Caleb was promised the land called Hebron, which means Socialize or friendship or communion with God. So that's implying an intimate relationship. He's, he's promised this land, the name of which basically means an intimate relationship. So after the 40 years of wandering were over, Caleb took Hebron to take the land. He had to defeat these giants, Ahimon, Talmai, Sheshii, who were the children of Anak. Now, let me tell you, you know, Bible names have meanings and it's amazing to look at what Caleb had to overcome to take this land called Hebron, which implies an intimate relationship, a good relationship, okay? Caleb means bold, okay? He believed God. But again, Hebron means socialize or friendship or communion with God. It's talk about an intimate, a solid, a good relationship there. Now, Anak, that's one of the giants, means self-will. Ahimon, okay, that's another one of the giants, means selfishness. Talmei, Another giant means self-sufficiency. Sheshai, another one of the giants, means self-righteousness. Caleb, to get this intimate relationship, had to defeat the giants of self. That's just amazing to me. That is absolutely amazing. So um anyway, um, you know, we same goes for us today. To have an intimate relationship with our spouse, we need to defeat the giants of self in our life. That's what's between us and successful relationships, what's between us and success in life, what's between us in so many things, okay? And it will just make an amazing difference, not just in your marriage, but in just in life in general, okay? And a lot of times people hear this and think, well, gee, you know, what about me? If I just serve other people, if I make my life about them, what happens to me? And that's a valid, that's a legitimate question. So I want to read Matthew ten thirty nine. 39. Um, that's where the answer is. And in Matthew ten thirty nine, Jesus was talking. And there, Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Somebody who finds their life is somebody doing things their way. Okay, that's talking about self-centeredness. He who finds his life will lose it. But he says, he who loses his life for my sake. So when I, I say, okay, you know what, I'm going to give up my way. I'm going to do things his way, God's way, Jesus' way. That's the person who finds their life. So that's what will happen to you. If you just, in faith, put aside self-centeredness, put aside your way and do things his way, you will find your life. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find joy. You'll find better relationships. You'll find success greater than you've ever seen before. And again, this works in marriage, but it also works in business, in your career. This works in everything. Christians as a whole, we have a huge competitive advantage in the marketplace because we have the love of God in us and we can operate in these things on a level that the world is just not capable of. We can have better marriages. We can have better businesses. We can have better success. It is true. I'm just telling you. So anyway, Next week, I'll wrap this topic up of the problem. And I want to thank you again for listening. Remember, if you have a question, shoot it to us. Info at marriagebythebook.org is the email address to use. And um, also, uh, check out our website, www.marriagebythebook.org. And there's free resources there, more information about our ministry. Um, some events we have coming up, a singles conference in Virginia in April. A marriage conference in Florida in March. Information is there about those. And uh, check that out. We'd love to see at the conferences. If you can't be there, maybe somebody you know lives in the area, they can come. But uh, I'll tell you something else, too. Check out our partner page. You know, we really need partners. That Partners, we thank God for the partners we have, but we need partners. That's what enables us to do what we do. So I would really appreciate you partnering with Marriage by the Book. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.